Well, let's have some trivia time, okay? And let me begin with a question for you. What were you to do if you had a bank that gave you $86,000 every day for you to spend? I mean, every day you got up at 9 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever your pleasure is, and you get up and you look on your app and you found out your bank just gave you $86,000. And you had all day to use it. It completely yours. The only problem is at the end of the day, Whatever you don't use, you lose. Now, what would you do? I'm sure you'd do what I'd do. I'd get down there every day at 9 a.m. and I would withdraw every last penny if I was going to lose it. And I'd make sure I spent it or invested it. Well, guess what? You do have such an account. And it's called time. Because every day you are given 86,400 seconds to use. And I wonder what you're doing with your time. Every day you're given 86,000 and some odd seconds. And every light, it rules off what is lost that you haven't used. It carries over no balance, allows no overdrafts. There's no going back, no drawing against tomorrow. I'm going to ask, what are you going to do with these next 363 days or whatever we got left here in the wee hours of this new year? What are you going to do with the time that's on your hands? You know, you master your minutes or your minutes are going to master you. And I know some people are already a slave to their Apple Watch. You see it all the time. You use time or time is going to use you. Yesterday's a canceled check, tomorrow's a promissory note, and today is the only cash you have on hand and friends you need to be investing wisely. For how quickly time comes and goes, how swiftly the present becomes here in the past, the future, our present. Shakespeare was the one who said, let everyone be the master of his time. Control your calendar and don't let your calendar control you. Time is what we want the most, but as they say, it's what we use the worst. Time. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is the only gift you have. And time is what you never have enough of, but which always seems that we have too little of. I mean, life is lived in this incredible tension, isn't it? On the one hand, it seems like we're in these moments where time just drags on. When's this pandemic going to be over? And then in the next breath, we're saying, my, how time's going. Here's another Christmas just passed me by. This incredible polarity in which we find ourselves, that either time flies or drags, how often we feel time is a whirlwind. It's here one moment and it's going the next. And hopefully you didn't say goodbye to the 2021 and just say, why? What in the world just happened? This year just passed me by and I didn't get half accomplished what I wanted to get accomplished. And now we've entered a whole new threshold in the wee hours of another year. Just a few years ago, we were talking like this is science fiction stuff. Whoever thought about us living here in the middle of the 2000s? And here we are. Somebody wrote, uh, what happened to time anyway? As a child, I laughed and I wept and time crept. As a youth, I dreamed and talked and time walked. As I became a full-grown man, time ran. And later as I grew older, time flew, and soon I shall find while traveling on, time gone. 
Now, friends, I don't know if anybody has been reading the Bible, but i got to ask you, have you noticed in the Bible that one of the undertones, one of the building blocks of the Bible, one of those threads that you find roving throughout from cover to cover is this whole concept of time. Time is fleeting. The Bible writers tell us here in Psalm 90, get some guidance because the time is going to fly. Teach us to count our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The New Testament, the guy there, James, in the New Testament, in the general epistle, he says, folks, life is like a vapor. There in your bathroom, it's gone in just an instant. Life is so quick. Paul said, be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of time. I mean, James and Apostle Paul were haunted by the shortness of time. It's a persistent theme, if you read the Bible, that we're not going to be here very long. Life's moving on. And in Romans 13, yet again, another writing, Paul giving us harsh instruction here. Wake up. He has in mind the crisis of world history, the soon expectancy of the return of Christ, and the need to be ready. But amid all that anticipation of the coming of Christ, we have simply his concern on the brevity of time. He's indicating here the need in this text to get your bearings. And in fact, Paul is using terminology here. You originally meant to uh, point toward the east, and it was being used in a part of a building like the high altar at the east end of the building because you're looking out for the coming of Christ in the eastern sky. So there's a sense here in this text in where he's talking to us about having a right orientation. There's a sense in which you need to get focused just like when you get going on a trip, if you're going hiking, you're not taking your bathing suit, you're getting your hiking boots. If you're going to the beach, you're going to get your umbrella, your suntan lotion, your flip-flops. Wherever you're headed, you get in the right direction. You go down to AAA, you get your trip tick, or you plug in your GPS coordinates, and, and you get all set, and you get your bearings right. If you're going south, you don't head west. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, the greater thing in this world is not so much where we stand, but in what direction are you headed? And so let me just ask, as we begin here this new year, I want to ask you, what do you want your life to look like on December the 31st of 2022? Sometimes when we're in a meeting, we'll ask people, what do you want success to look like? What do you want to really accomplish? What do you want to attain? And I ask you in this year, what do you really want to do with your life? Because of the quickness of time, Paul encourages us, don't get lazy, don't get lax, don't give up, don't take a nap, but get your life in order. Because time's moving on. Now, a few years ago, there was a sociologist or statistician, some type of scholar. They did a, a sampling of thousands of people. They did a little investigative work. And of course, this has been years ago, but listen to this. In a lifetime, they were saying back here a few years ago, the average American spends about six months setting at stoplights. Six months. Eight months opening junk mail. One year looking for misplaced objects. Now, maybe for me or some, that might be more 
looking for your eyeglasses or your keys or the remote control, where in the world that go? Two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, emails, and texts. Four years doing housework. Five years waiting in line. Six years eating. And again, for some, it may be more. But how in the world do you plan to spend your life in 2022? This is a gut check this morning. This is a come to Jesus meeting to get a hold of yourself and wake up. Because things are moving on. Time is flying. And here we are again. I want to give you four lenses here to think about as you get started on this new year. Four things. And the first thing I want to ask is another really important question. It's what do you trust? Who do you really rely upon? When the, when the going gets tough, I mean, is there somebody in your family you really like seek advice from? Is it your broker that you really have a lot of confidence they're going to help get you through the stock slides or whatever happens? Or who is it or what is it that you really trust? Well, I'm going to tell you for me in 2022, I'm going to trust Christ. Trust in Christ who has conquered the world. Trust in Christ who has conquered the grave. You betcha. That's who I'm going to give my trust to. The Bible says, lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And friends, that's what we need to do. You know, one of the greatest feelings in life that I've ever had is being a father. Love my kids, love my family, and what a blessing. And I'll never forget one time I was with uh, my, my kids, and, and they were just little kids, you know, and we were at a playground or something like that, I forget which, and, you know, isn't it true that as anyone knows who's ever tried to lead a child by the hand, you can't hardly keep them in your hand very long. I mean, you get around the playgrounds, and they just want to break loose. And they don't have enough experience. They don't have enough training. They don't realize they may go to this really high, you know, slicky slide and fall off just at that age, at age two or whatever. And they just can't wait to get free from your hand. And guess what? God's got the same problem. Because all of us want to do our own thing and go our own way. Live and party high and do whatever we want to do. And yet we blame God for not giving us greater protection. Folks, we got it all wrong. The Bible says in Luke 15, it says, There is added joy in heaven for everyone who places their hand in the hand of God. They let go of sin and they give their life to God. The angels of heaven are belting out joy when people kind of get that. And they give their life to God. They trust in God and they say, all right, God, you've got this. We so often place our trust in all the wrong things. And I get it. It's easy to do. There's so many wonderful things running around this world. Great things to partake in. But we trust in people, we trust in possessions, we trust in popularity and passions, and those things are so fleeting. It's popular one day and then it's unpopular the next. It's in fashion one day and it's gone the next. This thing breaks, you get something new. I mean, it's amazing what we really place our trust in. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord and you will enjoy security. So who do you trust? Trusting in Christ is a must. 
Now, you know I'm a big Reds fan. I told you that. And I can remember back to my childhood days. And back in Game 6, 1975, there was a famous shot caught on camera. I don't know if you know this, but Carlton Fisk, the walk-off home run, and they captured that. He was jumping up and down. And you know how they do? They're waving their hands, wanting the ball to stay fair and not go foul. And there's a very famous video that even now they still show of this happening. And the only reason it was caught was because the cameraman didn't follow the ball as it was going out of the ballpark there in Fenway. But there was a large rat that started encircling around him and he forgot to follow uh, you know, the, the ball and he simply was looking at the rat. And thus he caught Carlton Fisk this iconic moment in baseball history, jumping up and down in the 1975 World Series. You know, sometime this year, some rat is going to start circling your life. Now, I don't know what it might be. It might be a health crisis. It might be some really perplexing situation. It might be a problem with your kids. It might be a problem with a parent. It might be some other kind of issue. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe the stocks have just dropped out. Who knows what it might be. I'm going to ask, who have you had your trust in? Because, you know, God comes into our life, and it's so transformative when your faith is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. The faith that you draw the strength that you have. God can transform your situations and provide a deeper perspective, a different understanding and guide your life. And if you trust God, you will see God at work in ways that you never thought possible. One lens that you need to consider is who are you trusting to guide you over these next few months? Another is, you know, who's your role model? Who is your role model? You know, they always ask after the Little League World Series. You ever watch that in August? They'll ask the little kids, who do you want to be when you grow up? What's the famous baseball player you want to be like? They even do that during the bowl week here, if you've noticed. They'll ask, well, this quarterback here looks a lot like Peyton Manning, and that other one's Ken Anderson, and, you know, Fran Tarkington. Kids, who do they want to be? Let me ask, who's your role model? You know, for me, it's going to be to imitate Jesus Christ. Now, today, many people are following Christianity, and that's the problem. Because in our day, you don't follow Christianity, you follow Jesus Christ. And that's the problem with a lot of people. So many are following this concept of Christianese. And then when someone falls for grace, someone does something wrong or goes awry, you're like, well, I'm disenchanted, I'm disillusioned, I don't like this, this is not right. That's the problem, you're not following Christ. Jesus said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. And you know what, nothing is more infectious than an example. Jesus Christ, his example of living life here is so infectious so transformative. It has turned the world upside down. And you know, God judges us not by the point we have reached, but by the way we reach it. That's the way you're going to be evaluated. 
Now, Jesus talked some about believe in me. In fact, about three times or so, Jesus said, believe in me. But you know what he talked a lot about? He said, follow me. Do as I do. Lay down your nets and follow me. Pick up the cross and follow me. In fact, 87 sometimes, I mean, Jesus said, follow me. It's the following process that causes us to draw closer to Christ. More than the believing process, but to follow after Christ. He said, follow me, pursue me, come after me, imitate me. And what kind of example do you offer when people look at your life? You need to trust Christ. You need to imitate Christ. If you call yourself a Christ follower in these days ahead, you need to imitate Christ and lay down your nets or whatever it is you got in your hand. Put your hand in the hand of God and imitate Christ. And then let me ask you this. Who are you grateful for? Who is it in your life that you're really grateful for? You know, for me, it's God to magnify Christ. The psalmist said it so right. Magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. You know, so many times we fail to sufficiently give God the praise that he deserves. We are so focused on ourselves, are we not? I was watching Smithsonian or Biography or one of those shows here some time ago, and they were talking about one of the kids, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt, and one of their kids said, yeah, dad always wanted to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. You probably know people like that. You go to somebody's birthday party and they've stolen the spotlight. You go to an anniversary, you go to retirement, and somebody else is so loud, they're so like focused on me, this party, and all of you people. Why is it so difficult for us to give God credit? The famed orchestra conductor, Leonard Bernstein, he was asked, what's the hardest instrument to play in the orchestra? And he said, second fiddle. He said, I can find all kinds of people to play first violin, first French horn, first oboe, first flute, but I can't hardly find anybody to play second violin with the same enthusiasm, the same passion. And yet he said, if we don't have second, we don't have harmony. I wonder if you'd get your life harmonized with God. Really submit your life to God and magnify the Lord. We recognize God's goodness and realize the worth of Christ when we do. Now, over the holiday break here, I heard a little girl say she liked Santa Claus better than Jesus because she only had to be good for Santa Claus one time a year, but for Jesus, she had to be good every day. <laughs> but you know, friends, much of our Christian and Christmas observance is not far removed from that kind of attitude. Now, Jesus seemed to be doing two things all the time. He seemed to be asking questions and telling stories. But what in the world are we doing? We are giving answers all the time and preaching to people, criticizing people. And, you know, in this new year, I want to ask you to consider really magnifying the Lord. You know, this pandemic has stopped people from coming to church. And yet you turn on the TV and they're packed in like sardines at all the basketball arenas and all the stadiums. And I mean, they're sitting practically on everybody's lap. And don't give me the indoor hogwash like people talk about. I mean, if you're breathing and just 
I want to invite and challenge you to really magnify Christ. And last, I want to ask you, who do you promote? What is it that you promote in life? Now, people come up to me all the time and, have you eaten at this new great pizza shop? It's the best pizza here in Mason. Have you ever been there? Or have you ever been to that great store? They've got the best things. What do you promote? And I want to see for me, I'm going to evangelize Christ. Don't get hung up on that word evangelize. It's not a bad word. The right response to the grace of God is to show it and to share it. If God really has changed your life, if you're really trusting Christ, if you're really imitating Christ and living after Christ, if you're magnifying Christ, then you're going to be promoting Christ. It's going to have changed your life. We need more urgency, just like the lady called the insurance and said, hey, can you insurance my, you know, my house today? And he said, well, we, we can insure. I don't know if it's going to be today. We've got to go through underwriting. We've got to come out and take pictures. Well, you better get over here and do it because it's on fire. And that's the kind of passion that we need today when it comes to promoting Jesus Christ in this world. Because, folks, let me just tell you, this place is going to hell in a handbasket. Look around. Look on Facebook. Look at your browser. The pandemic, there's strife. There's mass shootings. There's people just fighting. There's quarreling. There's integrity is gone now, right out the window. This world needs a godly witness and needs hope. It needs the light and the love of Christ. And witnessing is simply sharing your story of who you're trusting, who you're harmonizing with, who you're magnifying. Paul shared this urgent need of being prepared. He said, folks, there's no time to sleep. This is not time to take a nap. This is a time to get real, for it's going to come to pass, and it's going to be too late. So many people are waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're going to wait, and it's going to pass. The opportunity to give your life to God I'll never forget the story there several years ago with a guy who had been living in this home for years, and then he got transferred, he moved, and he came back about 15 or 20 years later, just going through the old hometown here and looking around, and there he was, right out in front of his old, old home, and the owner, the new owner was out there, and they got to chatting a little bit, and the owner of the house said, well, why don't you come on in? We haven't changed things much, and the guy went in, looked all around the house, and went to that secret closet, even the owner didn't know. And there was an old box of some of his belongings. It happened to be a jacket in there. And he got the jacket out, and it fit just like a glove. But his hand's in the pocket, and there was a ticket. A ticket in there where he had dropped off an, a pair of shoes to be repaired. Now, today, we just toss them in the trash. But this was some prom or something he was going to back in the day, some big event, and he needed his shoes repaired. As he was leaving town, he thought, yeah, I'm just going to go by and see if that old store is there. And he went by, and lo and behold, it was still in business. He went in and presented the ticket, and they said it'll be ready in about 30 minutes. Let not that be our kind of response. You know, I was at the drugstore here some time back, and, you know, picking up a prescription, and it seems like the lines forming at the pharmacy anymore is almost like the BMV. 
But the line wasn't clearly formed, and there was another gentleman there that was uh, much older than I, and he was uh, on a cane, and we didn't know who was next necessarily, but just being the kind soul he was, he waved me on when it was about our time. He said, you go ahead. And I said, no, that's okay. I've, I've got time here. I've got the rest of the day. And then he said, no, you go ahead. My doctor says I've got about six months. Friends, I want to challenge you today. Time is passing you by. And you need to get your house in order. You need to get your life right. You need to get your life back. You need to get focused. Get your bearings. What do you want this world to look like when you leave it? The legacy of your family and others. What does success look like for you on December 31st of 2022? You need to trust God. These are tough times. Trust the one who has conquered the world. You need to imitate Christ. He shows us the way. You need to magnify the Lord. Humble yourself. Have a praise and thanksgiving attitude. It changes your life. Gives you a new outlook. And you need to evangelize. You need to be a godly witness in this world. If you really say you believe it, you need to promote Christ. You need to promote the Lord. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you'll get neither. Shall we pray? Almighty God, thank you so very much for this day, this blessed Sabbath and this wonderful opportunity to gather here together, to break bread together, to sing together, pray together, to magnify and trust in you. And Lord, as we go into this world, may we go Lord, making good use of our time, trusting and imitating you, magnifying and evangelizing. Use us, we pray, almighty God. May your spirit have right away in all of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I direct your attention to our hymnal today, to page 12, a service of word and table number two, and invite you to share in this moment of Holy Communion together. I remind you that you do not have to be an official member of Faith Community United Methodist Church, but we do ask that you come to this table reverently and earnestly desiring the life of Jesus Christ, to follow after our Lord, to trust and rely upon God to magnify the Lord, you come in humility as we gather at the Lord's table today. So join me, if you will. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him and who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
And hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Let me invite you to join me in the prayer of great thanksgiving. And also, if you don't have a communion kit at this time, to signal the ushers. They have plenty of these in the back. And uh, we'll be using these communion kits just momentarily. Join me in prayer. The Lord be with you. And lift up your hearts. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made us with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread and gave thanks to you and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. And make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. And by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Friends, the body of Christ given for you. Let us take and eat. Let us be mindful of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And I invite you to peel back that first layer and join me as we take and eat together. Remember what God has done. Likewise, the cup of salvation. Jesus, there after the supper, offered the cup of salvation to them. He said, this is my blood shed for remission of sin. As often as you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. 
So let us take a drink and remember what God has done for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.